you, Devin, are a mm. consumer, if you were going to hire you to do the job you do, <laughs> what would you look for mm. and what would you want to know? And I think mm. we forget that we're consumers. We look at it as business owners. We look at it as marketers. We look at it as the person building the thing. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another uh, episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And if you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com. We're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great expert episode for the podcast, um, and this is with Elizabeth Pampalone, I think is a close. Yes. And uh, Elizabeth, is, this is a quick introduction to kind of what we'll be talking about. So she is with kind of digital marketing expert, or is it kind of an expert in marketing and whatnot, been doing this for uh, quite a uh, good period of time. And we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the kind of the, the topics of uh, what, you know, blogging, branding and kind of website design and kind of how that all meshes together and how that can help uh, your business uh, to grow and expand. So with that much as an introduction, welcome onto the podcast, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So maybe before we dive into the topic at hand, tell us just a little bit about yourself, uh, what or why you're an expert on this field, and why the audience to listen to you. Well, I've been in business for 14 years, and I've had my marketing thing kind of going on for about 20. So I've been building websites since then. And I just really love marketing and helping people to find that sweet spot without having to go overboard and overwhelm themselves and really to just get their marketing done so they can move on to all the other stuff, which is what they're really good at. Awesome. Well, I definitely think that that's a good pedigree and a good amount of experience behind you. So kind of with that, let's just go ahead and dive into some of the expertise at hand, so to speak. So maybe the first topic we'll talk a little bit about is blogging. And so, you know, blogging is as as opposed to some of the more recent ones has been around for a, a reasonable amount of period of time you can reach back i think almost probably 20 years or into the early 2000s at least to people at least started blogs in some form or fashion so one question i would have is is blogging dead is it alive and well is it helpful is it worthwhile and and if so kind of what are what are the reasons why you would get into blogging other than you know, if you're personal blogging, just want to, you know, write down kind of almost an online journal, that's one thing. But if you're on the business side, what are the, what are the reasons why you'd get into blogging? Well, blogging, I actually use it for SEO. So I'm actually not looking at it from the standpoint of let's just blog for the sake of blogging or let's just blog so we can get our ideas out there. That's mm -hmm. one way of doing it. But at the same time, you know, you want to actually blog so that you're getting the information out there that Google's going to pick up. So when I do a blog, I'm looking at it from the standpoint of what's going to, the customer I'm looking for, what are they actually going to search? And most of the time they're searching questions. Google mm -hmm. is not a search engine anymore. It's a question engine. So mm -hmm. I try to say, well, let's look at your FAQs. They probably would make a ton of good blog posts. So we look at things in that way so that we're actually utilizing the, the business's information they already have on hand to create blogs and then use them for SEO purposes. It takes three to six months for anything to actually get into Google where it's actually being searched and mm. being used in searches. So I try to get people to set up a year of blogs in advance 
so that they're already on that track to say, you know, by mid year, end of year, I'm going to actually be seeing traction from this, but they can kind of set it and forget it in that way. So how do you, so, and I think that's definitely insightful. And just for those of you that are newer and otherwise, you know, SEO is search engine optimization, kind of as you explain, helps you to rank well on Google. So it's kind of what Google uses in order to determine whether you're on the first page or the hundredth page and nobody looks at the hundredth page. So that's kind of as you're doing it, but you know, you talk about a year of blogging, you know, one, a couple, you know, commit or feedback or, or, you know, things that uh, startups or small businesses have one is that, you know, how do I come up with enough topics? And then, you know, how do I not have it take over my life, right? Some people can write a blog article fairly quickly. Other times it takes a long period of time. Should they do it themselves? Should they hire someone else to write the blog article? You know, if they hire someone else and they're always worried it's in somebody else's voice or it's not correct or it's not, in the, you know, doesn't represent them well. So kind of how do you all tackle that of getting enough content and also making sure it's the right content and not making or making your full-time job, job be a, a blogger? Well, I actually do something called a blogging power day, and it's part of my five-day system. Um, mm. Absolute Marketing is a system itself. It's not just the name of the company. And mm. it is uh, five days. So first day is branding, then a day on a website where we build a website from scratch in one day. We create 12 months of social media posts in a day and 12 months of blog posts in a day. And then day five is email marketing where we do 12 months of email marketing campaigns in a day. But the blogging day is day four. So it's kind of towards the end there. But what we actually do is we sit down, we brainstorm 12 to 24 titles, and then we take 10 to 15 minutes to create each blog post. These do not need to be, you know, novels. If you think you need to write more um, than, than a page, like a, a Word document page, um, then you probably have two, two blog posts or two articles that you can post. So I really try to get people to keep them short, sweet, to the point. Maybe it's an opening paragraph and an ending paragraph and three bullet paragraphs. So, mm. or five bullet paragraphs, you know, you're really trying to make sure that there's a ton of stuff in your head that you know about your business, your industry, um, it, you know, about your, um, clients, the way they think, what they're looking for, how they react to certain things, what's going to grab their attention. And so it's all in your head though. And so it's mm -hmm. just about getting that out and creating the titles first gives you that topic list. So you might even go on to, there's something called answer the public. So it's a, it's a mm -hmm. website and you can do free searches there and they'll actually tell you what people are searching for related to you know, a specific search term. So let's say I put in marketing and I'll actually be able to look up and it'll tell me what people are searching on Google as it relates to marketing. How to market is one of the options. How nice. to social media marketing. <laughs> so they're going to show you all those little searches and what the highest ranking ones are. So if you're actually writing an article on how to use social media marketing to improve your SEO game, or I don't know, whatever, if you're giving this title, then you can actually use those topics for your titles, then once you create the titles, it's easy to go. Yeah, that's a title, a topic that I know about. And you don't want to create titles for things that you don't really know about that you have to research. You want to create titles for things that you already know about so that when you actually sit down for the 10 or 15 minutes to write something, it's really easy. And it's like a sentence on this, two sentences on that, three hmm. sentences here, and, and then you're done. You know, it's, it's, I usually tell people nine sentences, 10 minutes is pretty much like the shortest blog post you can write. So now on that, because I think that's that's a good insight, you know, you get some people that can sit down and in 10 minutes write that type of an article, you get others that are 
think about every word or want to go back and edit it or they want to, you know, they get nervous or they haven't done it before, any number of things. So is it beneficial? Do you always recommend people write them themselves? I know that there are services that you write them for you or you hire someone else or you have a, you know, a independent or a ghostwriter or those type of things. Are those a reasonable option? Do you recommend, knock or not recommend or kind of a little bit of thought on that? So my husband is actually a ghostwriter and he does copyright copywriting for clients. And he's actually written several of my clients' blog posts um, as a ghostwriter. And that is something where as long as the ghostwriter or the person who's doing them for you can actually write in your voice. And, you know, sometimes they can and sometimes they can't. You know, when my husband does his work, he'll interview the person first, listen to how they talk, listen to the words that they use. And then he can write in their voice just from that interview. It's a, it's a skill he has, it's a talent he has. Um, but what I found is that when people write for me, and my husband has written for me before as well, but when I've had other people write for me for my blog posts, because I can tell you about 90% of mine are ghostwritten <laughs> and mm. nobody really knows that, but they are. And what I ha- what I did was I was actually searching for someone to write my posts And I went on a forum. I said, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm going to pay. And I had like 10 people respond. And I said, I want to see a sample of your work in this type of area. They had mostly done, you know, sales, marketing type stuff before. And so I got samples of each of their work. And I found someone who already naturally spoke the way that I did, who naturally had that tendency to speak and, and use words that I would use because I could see it in their writing. I write very conversationally when I do it. I'm, I'm very much like, Hey, what do you think about this? Cool. Right. You know, like I say things like that in my blog posts. And so mm. when I found somebody that actually wrote like that and I could see all the samples, only one person out of the 10 actually did that. And so I was like, this is the person for me. And it wasn't a stretch because that was the way that that person already was writing. No, and I think that that's, that's a good idea. So, I, you know, one is is to find someone that naturally already writes in your voice. And then two, they should also have that tendency to be able to pick up, get, you know, get used to your writing style, understand the way you do it, and then be able to re- mirror that. So now one question is, is, you know, back to maybe the original question is, is, you know, do you, is there, a, if you're trying to decide whether to ghostwrite it yourself or whether to write, have somebody or write it yourself or have someone ghostwrite it for you, how do you kind of make that determination? Or is there a right or wrong or is it financially driven or kind of, is there a, a good right, good way to figure that out or a bad way? I usually go with the financial piece because if you have time to do this, which if you have a day, you can do it. Um, I find that a lot of people think that, the, the, like you said, they worry about every word and they're worried about every sentence and is it perfect? And really, this is not about perfection. This is about getting out information so that your clients are educated. And if someone was telling you that you had to have a blog post written by tomorrow, you would figure out a way to do it if it was a good opportunity, if it was going to help bring you sales, if it was going to give you an audience to speak to, you'd be like, yes, I will sit down right now, tonight, whatever, and I will make this happen. Even if I don't have any time, I will find the time and make it happen. And I think that's what we lose when we have our marketing all like spread out through the whole month. And well, I've got till the end of the month to do that, or I can do those posts next week or, you know, and we keep pushing, pushing, pushing it. And blogging is definitely one of those things that gets pushed to the very back of the list because it's not necessary, right? It's not necessary that we 
tell someone in a blog post, hey, this event's coming up, you need to register. That's an email and that usually gets sent, but the blog posts get kind of pushed to the back. But what mm -hmm. I've found is that with blogging, with podcasting, they're very similar to me. One's like the, the written form, one's the verbal form. Um, when you're able to do something like that on a regular basis and work ahead of yourself, then you can actually use that as your daily, weekly, monthly marketing strategy, because you're not sitting there every day creating a blog post or every week creating a blog post. You can sit down for one entire day and create an entire year's worth because you, you should be able to move forward with them. You should say, this is what I know on the subject. I've written it as best as I can to the best of my ability at this time. And you can push the information out. When you're talking about the law or medical or something like that, it requires more research. It requires you to do more. However, mm. most people in those fields, like yourself, I've worked with a lot of doctors in the past that do primary care. Mm. They know it in their mind already. They might have to look up a fact or two or a statute or three. Like they might have to just reference to say, oh yeah, that was five five point three two, not 5.34. You know, that's such minor things, but a lot of it is in your head already. And the fact that everything is in your head in most cases is you know how to explain it then. You're not trying to sit there, think about how do I say this to other lawyers so that they'll think that I'm amazing and you know I know all the fancy stuff. You're thinking, how do I say this to regular people who have no idea what I'm talking about? And when we're able to stream of conscious speak and say, this is what you need to know, here are the facts and here's what you do with those facts. That's it. So I even encourage people if they're not, you know, wanting to write and they're, it's hard for them to like look at a blank page and type things in, either write it by hand or you can use your voice recorder. And this is why I recommend podcasting to some people. Use your voice recorder, record yourself and either make it a podcast because that's the way I kind of write in my head, right? Um, or you can actually get something like Descript to actually transcribe all your words. You can look over that document tweak a few things, make a few adjustments, take out a sentence or two that was a little rambly, and there you have a blog post. So there's lots of different ways to get this content from your head onto paper, so to speak. Um, but there's, you can do this in one day for the entire year and get it done quickly. No, I think that, and I think that's a great idea, you know, because oftentimes to your point, it's one of those that kind of always gets pushed back to the, the back burner or you always you're going to get to it. You never, ever quite get to it because you always have something more urgent that pops up. And so kind of having that, oh, let's take one day, I'll write several, you know, it sounds like kind of you're looking at almost kind of once a month if you're doing, or is that kind of the, once maybe the, oh, no, 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 sorry. One, once you do it once a year, you yes. have an article once a month that yes. you release. Is that about right? Correct. One, one or two, depending. You could do 12 to 24. You could do one every three weeks. You know, it just depends. But yeah, you about once a month is good. And most people don't need more than that. A lot of people try to do every week and it's too much. And it's about thinking in like, in terms of my lifestyle, if it's mm. my lifestyle and I'm a writer and I love to write and that's my goal and that's my, you know, my thing and I love it. If I put that time in my calendar every week, yeah, I could get it done, but that doesn't always happen. And so if we think about our actual lifestyle and what's realistic, yeah, I can do one day a year. I can pump out 12 or 24. And if I have anything that comes to mind in the rest of the year, I'm not prohibited from putting more out there, right? The more the merrier when it comes to marketing. So, you know, I always say, if you just put out that 12 or that 24 and get it from your head into paper, mm. then you can always add more later. You can always go, oh, I'm going to write two every month also, but have that underlying thing. Cause things always happen. Life happens. And we always get, you know, that stuff gets lost at the shuffle. 
No, I think that that is all uh, certainly uh, very valuable insight. And so maybe switching gears just a little bit, because I think it, it kind of dovetails into that, the blogging aspect. But, you know, now if you're to go to kind of branding and I'll, I'll do it online branding or kind of maybe rephrase that as website design, you know, if you're now looking kind of at, so blogging is kind of one aspect of the website or one aspect of SEO is one aspect of the website. Now, if you're looking at kind of just holistically your, you know, the online, the platform that you use for your blogging, which is oftentimes for business, they'll put it on their website. They'll have one of the yes. tabs, maybe on the, the homepage. They'll also have an area where you can start to check out the blog. But what are some of the things as they're looking at designing their web? And I know that's a much larger topic than we can go <laughs> over right now, but it's a, a little bit of a snippet. What are some of the things they should be thinking about as they get into website design and branding and kind of creating that, not just blogging and answering questions, but kind of that whole look and feel. So the brand is the most important. And if you're doing any kind of marketing, social media, blogging, anything, you need to have the brand first. If you don't have the brand first, you're going to start seeing that you get stuck on things, that things don't look right, that you're not cohesive in your message. So you have to start with the brand. And that does include creating that color scheme. That's going to be the one you use every single time time. You're not going to use 10 different blues, 10 different greens. It's going mm. to be a green, a blue, a gray, a cream, like whatever your colors are, you're going to pick them and you're going to, you're going to stick to them and they have little number codes. So you mm. have to use the same number code every single time. I recommend like putting them in a little notepad somewhere like on your computer or on your desk or even keeping them, um, you know, memorizing them. I've memorized a couple of mine that I use a lot. And mm. so that makes it so that you always can use the same color and be consistent. That's super important for anything you do with marketing. Um, and then the message too. If you don't know what your message is, who you are, what you do, and what you're sharing, uh, who, you, who you are, what you do, what you're sharing, and who you're sharing it with, right? Because you actually have an audience. Um, if you don't know those things about your company, that's your message. And if you can't carry that same message around with you all the time and only say that, I had someone speak to me the other day and they said, well, can you do these things? And can you do that? And I said, yeah, I could, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into that field. I'm not going to delve into that side of, of technology or marketing. This is what we do. And we stick to it. And I've turned people away because of that, but it's important to turn people away because you, if you have that message, my message is mostly women in business. I work with some men too. They, they like my stuff too. Um, but mostly women in business, three to five years in business because they're at that point where they need a professional and they want some extra help. They've DIY'd up to that point and that they are sick of getting the marketing runaround from other companies, gurus that tell them things that, that overwhelm them and just being frustrated with all of it. So that's, that's my market. That's my message. And if I keep saying that over and over, I mean, I've done over a hundred podcasts and I probably sound like a broken record if you listen to all of them because <laughs> mm. I say the same thing a lot. So if when I when you have that brand and you can solidify that brand, it makes everything so much easier. And with the website, you know, yeah, that's where your blog will live and that's where, you know, your content will live. And I think it's a good landing place. You know, when you have someone come to your social media, they get funneled over to your website, they get funneled over to your blog or they get an email, they should be funneled to your website it's a landing place. It's got to have all the info on it. Um, and the other places are more just little anchors that pull people in. Right. So with the website, I talk about simplicity and, and usability in the way that if it's familiar, people are going to use it. If it's not familiar, people are going to look at it and go, I don't get this. And they're going to go away and they never see them again. And you'll never even know that they didn't get it because they didn't ever tell you that. 
They just left mm. your website and that was it. So simplicity is really, really key. If you have something that you think is a complicated process or service, it's probably not as complicated as you might think. <laughs> now, one I like the simplicity is a key. And I was gonna, that was going to be one of my questions kind of to follow up on the conversation is, you know, I, 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 whether or not I'm a good website designer and I, you know, I, I, I dabbled in it and I also now have a marketing or some marketing people on the team that have now taken it over. They've, you know, done it X or 10 times better or whatever times better than I did, you know, and that was where I was really first introduced kind of, as you talked about kind of the color scheme, consistent colors. Not that I didn't have that when I originally did our website, but it wasn't as consistent. It wasn't as well-defined. And so I think that on that note, you know, I love to go and make fun of a lot of law firm websites in the sense that most of them I think are terrible. And I just think that it's, it's kind of just a side hobby just for fun. But, you know, a lot of them, I think, you know, they look pretty and they have zero functionality, provide zero information. They have no no way to convert. And so, you know, as you're looking to design a website, you talked a little bit about simplicity. You know, the temptation is, is to put as much information on your website, put a ton of text, make it, you know, make sure that they get all their questions answered. And, you know, is that a, I, I don't think it is, but I'll let you answer. Maybe it's that we have different opinion. Is that a good way to do it? Or should you keep a simpler website, keep it cleaner, do more pictures or text or kind of how do you, what is that balance between providing as much information as you can, can to convince them and convert them over while also not overwhelming them? Well, there's always one answer to that question and no one is talking about it right now. So I'll be probably the first person to say it like this. The answer is you. Devin, are a mm. consumer. If you were going to hire you to do the job you do, <laughs> what would you look for mm. and what would you want to know? And I think mm. we forget that we're consumers. We look at mm. it as business owners. We look at it as marketers. We look at it as the person building the thing, right? And you think, I've got all this content. I just was working with a client yesterday. She had so much content, pages and pages and pages and pages of content. She's like, but this isn't good information. This is important. They need to know this. And I said, why? <laughs> she just looked at me like, what are you mad? Of course they need to know this. And I said, you've already told me that in these five sentences. So why do I need a five page document or five pages of text in a website, which is just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling to tell me the same thing that these five sentences have simply told me. And her whole thing was people needed to talk to her before they could actually buy the product because it is like my product. You have to talk to me before mm. we start because it's a custom thing. It's like, let's look, let's talk about how it works for you, if it works for you. And she didn't, she just started looking at it. And she was like, oh my gosh. And I said, if you were the consumer and you were here to buy your own product, would these five sentences tell you enough so that you could say, that sounds pretty cool. I think, I think this is enough. And maybe there was a couple pictures or there was a couple graphics and maybe it just, it's just uh, agreed with you as a consumer saying, are you sick of this? Are you tired of that? Have you been through this? Well, guess what? We're here to fix all that. Oh, of course. Now I'm ready to have a call with you. Like, let's do it. You know? And so then you're open to that idea of that sales call. And all of us can be honest. If we get on that sales call with someone, even if we're the worst marketers in the world, if we can get someone to call us, we're done. It's it. They're sold. We're done. <laughs> we've got mm. them. We're already, we've already sold them. Right. So I just told her that. And she was looking at it going, oh my gosh. And I said, keep that five pages of text though. That is going to be important for that person you do talk to. Who's like, I don't know. I don't have all the info. I'm not ready. Guess what? I got this five page white paper for you. I know you need to see the nitty gritty details. I'm going to email it to you. 
no problem. And they're going to be like, wow, they knew exactly what I needed. They gave me the information I needed. And that five pages comes in handy later. Not everybody needs that for their website or their company, but she had it already. And so she actually could use it for a purpose. So that's kind of where I look at it. (laughs) And I like that, you know, one of the things I look at is, first of all, it needs to be easy to navigate because, you know, too often you get so much information and you have a lot of good information and some people it's good for SEO. As you mentioned, you have a blog article every month or a couple every month and you got to house that somewhere, but you need to make it easy so that they can, if they want to get to that information, they can navigate to it easy. If it's the people are just looking for a simple or an easy answer, they're not going to, because a lot of people don't spend a ton of time. It's important time, but not a ton of time on the website before making a decision. So you only have a limited amount of time to grab a lot of people's attention. And so you've got to make it so it's simple, easy to understand. One last question, and we could go down a lot of rabbit holes that I think would be really fun that we'll never have time for. But, you know, on a website, and it varies, I get industry by industry. If it's a product, definitely you want to put you know, your pro or the price, because if they're going to check out through your website, they're going to know you want to want to know your price. When you get into the service industry, you get a, you get a lot of mixed reviews and I have my own personal opinions and I'll, I'll hold those. <laughs> you can always go check out our website. You can probably guess where I fall, but you know, on the service industry, a lot of times people are saying, I don't want to put the prices because I have to, you know, I want to talk with them and basically convince them why it's worth it or why this is a cost. So you almost kind of want to do that sales pitch before when you get into the service industry, do you think that you should have the price? is right there on their website so they can understand so do you you know hide the ball a bit more until you get a chance to talk to them or any thoughts or opinions on that one yes i do have the opinion on that um i actually have my website prices they're right there the prices Mm. are right there um i have multiple different options when it comes to that we only sell one thing we sell the five-day system you can buy five days you can buy three days you can buy one day um but we do it done for you done with you or we can coach you on it Still the five-day system, still the same five pieces, but there's different ways of accessing that information, right? So that's where my thing comes into my confusion that I've always struggled with this. And this is just like the age-old question of how much do you put on it? Where do you put all that info and all that stuff? Um, and so I use struggle, struggle with it myself because when you're the person doing it for yourself, it's so much harder. I can look at someone else's and go, yep, this is the way to do it. No problem. But when mm. I look at my own, it's much harder, right? Because when we look at our own stuff, we just get all flustered and confused and go, well, maybe this is right. Maybe that's right. But as far as pricing for other people, you know, for this company that I worked with yesterday, for example, they have a SaaS product that includes training. And that is huge because that's not usually included with SaaS products. And Mm. so their pricing is going to be much higher than if you were to just buy the SaaS product and just use the product. But because they include the training and it's not just about the product, it's about Um, you know, the type of program that they're running and about more than just, you know, here's a, here's a system to use. Um, Mm. It's going to actually train people on how to do their jobs better. And so of course it's going to be more, but larger companies and mid-sized companies are going to go, that's what I need. I don't want to hire a person in-house. I want this, these people to train my people to show them the products. And then we use their products because it makes more sense. So Mm. then I want to say, let's have that conversation. Mm. We might say starting at um, you know, this many, this much per license, and then you can kind of decide how many licenses, but you might not know what that means. Do I need five? Do I need three? Do I need seven? Um, do I need 55? And so then you would say, I would say like, you know, we, we do a price per license or something like that. And we would just have that call because you're going to have to have that conversation of all those nitty gritty questions come out and you can actually answer those questions and then say, okay, well, for you, you need 50 licenses. 
we're going to throw in an extra five because we want you to grow your team or whatever. Like there's things that you can do with that. And I think, so those kind of ones, I try not to put the price on when you really have to have those conversations with mine. I want people to know it's a service. I want you to know how much you're getting in for right now. Does that mean you shouldn't call me? But I want to know that, you know, (laughs) this is the number I'm going to tell you. Is there payment plans available? Yeah. Are there discounts available at certain times of the year? Sure. You know, but it doesn't mean that I'm trying to turn away people necessarily, but it also means, Hey, this is what it's worth to me for me to sell this to you. And I want you to know that up front. So it really does depend on the business. No, but I'm in, in that was, that's where I'm at it. You know, one of the frustrations in the legal industry, especially in the legal industry is everybody tries to, you most, I would say most websites, not all, cause there are a few, most of them you go, you have no idea how much they're going to charge, you know, and they're going to say, well, we're on an hourly rate and everything. It depends. And I think that first of all, that's a little bit of a cop out. A lot of legal services, you can at least for a good amount of them offer flat fees or otherwise give them a price range as to what they're looking at. And you don't, you know, and it may go over and you get attorneys, especially that are so nervous that if I tell them one price or put it on the website, they're going to stick to it. And then if they want me to do more then I get into all of that, I think it's dealt with, but I think the biggest frustration for, and I go on a website is like, I don't know how much this is going to cost. I don't know if they're super exactly. expensive. And then not only that, then, then when you get on the call, you can spend a whole bunch of time on a call selling them all. And they usually wait till the end and then they'll tell you the price. And then you they'll say, Oh, I can't afford that. And now you've wasted right. a whole bunch of your time on a call with them. I don't know, wasted, but you haven't, they're not going to convert over to a client. Right. And so in that sense it's wasted. And if you just told them that up front or they could see, then they can a bit understand if you're even within their realm, within the what they can afford and within their budget and it makes it a lot easier process a lot less frustration i think a lot more um a lot bit more beneficial and i think that you know that's where everybody's moving is they they want everything even services tend to be starting to become a commodity everybody wants to know what it is they want it to be a flat fee they don't want it to be hourly they don't want it to be an open check they want to understand what they're committing so i'm right there with you and i i but i figured i would hold my my opinions and see what you said first <laughs> Well, well, like we, the company from yesterday too, like they, um, you know, they, they don't put those prices on there, but their messaging, their branding is going to those people that they know can afford the price they're going to say. Mm. And they don't necessarily need to know the price because of the positions they're in and the, the, the need they have for this product, this service. Mm. So there isn't really a discussion of, it's kind of almost whatever it costs will buy because they know they're always going to be within that price range. And that's why they don't do that. So there's, there's that one little caveat of if you can go to that high ticket person and be like, guess what? You don't know that it's $10,000, but you know that you could afford $10,000 because you're speaking to that market already. It's when you get into that mid range size to lower end side, like where I'm at, you know, and just the small businesses and the entrepreneurs and people like that. That's when you have to say, guess what? This is the price. We are upfront with each other. But when you get into that higher tiered stuff, you can get away with the no pricing and it's not really as big a deal. No, I think that, and I think that's great advice. So well, we're, we're running short on time and there's always so many things I wish we could dive into. I always find when it's, you know, it's a fun topic and there's never enough time to dive into them. So <laughs> With that, you know, if people want to reach out to you, they want to find out more, they want to be a client, a customer, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, connect up with you and find out more? You can go to getabsolutemarketing.com. We have a free membership with tons of resources and also you can get my pro toolkit there, all my eBooks and all that kind of stuff. Get my, getabsolutemarketing.com. 
All right. Well, I definitely encourage everybody to, to check out the website, find out more and uh, make sure to get a, a plan. I love the idea of having kind of the five uh, five day course. So you can go through, get everything planned out for a year and have that, to, you know, kind of one and done. Not that there may be other things that aren't uh, adding on to that, but I like that kind of that package idea. Well, if you or as we wrap up, if you're a listener and you have your own journey to tell or you're an expert in a field that would be a great, uh, to, great, you'd love to share. Feel free to go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on our podcast. Also, if you're a listener, make sure to one, click subscribe so you know when all of our awesome episodes come out. And two, um, if you uh, if you can leave us a review so new people can find us, that would be great as well. Last but not least, if you ever need help with your patents, trademarks, or anything else with your business, feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP Law. We're always here to help. Just go to strategymeeting.com. Thank you again, Elizabeth, for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure, and I wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you.